Hey everybody, this is your Friendly Neighborhood podcast host, That Guy Named John, with just a quick intro before we get into the rest of the episode. The majority of this episode was recorded live at the Renton City Comic Con, where I did a post-show wrap-up with Nick and Dyer from the Northwest Nerd Podcast. I also interviewed uh, Amaya Kokame, a great artist who was there, Keith Tucker, storyboard artist, Ben Andrews and Justin Hunt from Renton City Comic Con, as well as the astrophysicist Stephen Smith. Just like whenever I go to a con, I record these interviews whenever and wherever I can. So the audio quality, depending on where we did the interview, might fluctuate a little bit. But that is just why. I mean, I talk about it all the time. When you have an opportunity in front of you, take it. Go after it. So with some of these, if I want to talk to them at their table, and that is what they can do because... They cannot get away from the table because they need to be there to sell their stuff. Then I will just sit down with them behind their table, put a mic in front of their face and be like, all right, here we go. So yeah, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. And also I wanted to say a huge, huge thank you to everybody who voted uh, for me and this podcast in the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards. Uh, I did not win the favorite Northwest podcast that went to my friends Nick and Dyer from Northwest Nerd Podcast, but I did win Geek of the Year. It was a huge honor. We mentioned it briefly during the episode when we recorded uh, on location, but it just felt a little bit awkward because it was like, cool, I won this thing. But yeah, it was just, it was weird because when people actually like congratulate you on things you worked really hard for, sometimes it feels weird and that feels weird even to say. But so thank you to everybody who voted, who was part of that process. The trophy is on my recording studio table right now. I'm looking at it. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much to everybody. Uh, So yeah, so this episode, the first big chunk of it is going to be from Renton City Comic Con. And then I will come back after that. And I will be reviewing the new movie White Boy Rick starring Matthew McConaughey and Richie Merritt as well as a review of the new Cirque du Soleil show, Volta, which is currently playing at Marymore Park out in Redmond, I think. I never go to the east side, but it is out there. So yeah, so we will get right into the main episode right now, and then I will be back after that to talk about the movies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review. Full links to the show notes and guests are abouttoreview.com. And you can also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and any other podcast catcher that is out there. Uh, Again, I say it every time. If you find a podcast app or place that I am not on, please let me know so I can be on there. Joining me on this very special edition of the podcast, because this is a 2018 Renton City Comic Con breakdown uh, is joining me the award winning uh, duo <laughs> from, from Northwest Nerd, Nick and Dyer. Welcome to the show. Hello Welcome everybody. back to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, yeah, so this great is to the be second here. time, technically. This is the second time. Okay. The second time, second time, long time. Really excited to be here with uh, Rencon's Geek of the Year. Who? Yes. John. Oh, that guy yeah. Named Some John. guy named John. Yeah. yeah. Dude, did you see the guy who accepted the award? That was weird. I did. Was, so where was he from? Did he have an accent? A little, it was almost like a Nashville hot accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so spicy. Real spicy. Yeah. Take, yeah. So basically what we're going to do is talk a little bit about Rencon, 
Uh, and then after that, I'm going to splice in some interviews that I did with a few people. So before we get into the meat of the episode, we'll go to the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. We are live at the 2018 Rent City Comic Con at Hotel Interurban, which I feel like you need to Bruce Buffer that up a little bit more. Like we are live. I was like, that would be Damien's <laughs> job or Tim's job. They're the wrestling guys. That's true. Yeah. Uh, except I am going to my first live wrestling event Ooh, uh, in where? a couple weeks here. Or is it a Seattle. local show or a national show? Uh, it is Monday Night Raw, my friend. What? What? Wow! Uh, shout out to Damien again of Ill Mannered Media and the Curly Nerd Podcast. Uh, through his benevolence, uh, me and Tim are going to Monday Night Raw on October first. Is awesome. Uh, yeah, he he does cool. some work for them, and so he was able to make some calls and make it happen. I have friends that are like in the indie wrestling scene mm-hmm. in the Northwest, of which there's a lot. Like if you're in a smaller town around Western Washington, I guarantee you there is a club of people that do this. Hundred um, <laughs> percent. Yeah, and yeah, so it's real fun. But this, this, that's big. Yeah. So I, I have spent more time watching. Like actually intently, not intently, intentionally watching professional wrestling more in the past week than I have my oh, entire been life. Studying up. Oh wow. Uh, okay, not even joking. In our group thread this. with Jess, Damien, and Tim, all of us blurs, Damien will like randomly be like, "Pop quiz, John," and then just <laughs> be like, hit me with like three wrestling gifts and be like, "Who was this? What's the name of this move?" My my grade right now in Damien's class not so great. Well, but is I am it learning. Pass fail. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I think the last time I paid attention to anything was maybe the fifth guy that played the Undertaker. Uh, there has only been only there has been only one Undertaker. Oh, oh sure. Okay. Right. Wow. Okay. No, there is. Like legitimately, there is only one guy. I, okay. I'm yeah. not How sure many if you're trying to be serious. Sting though, with all that makeup. Sting has done it, but th- there's been like eight p- people that have played the Undertaker. I do not think so. How many so. Rey Mysterios do you mm. think there's been? Who is that? I don't even. Anyway, all right. Before before Damien and Tim before just get we go mad, down the rabbit listening hole, to this, yeah, tweet anyway. at me and correct me about the Undertaker. Uh, I'm breaking I'm a lot of podcast rules by just like getting you off the rails immediately, right. not yeah. letting you hit any no. of the news you want to do. And uh, we're talking about wrestling instead of Rencon. Yeah. By the way, what'd you yeah. have for lunch today? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> uh, I had some peanut butter filled pretzels. Okay. Uh, because that is pretty much what Those I bring to yeah. to the con. Hey, look who we have. Uh, so. So walking, but walking by the table. Yeah, we're literally is, on the show. Floor <laughs> we're, we're for the, the listeners is Renee Spencer, aka Pixie Bomber Cosplay. Hi. Uh, you can put a mic How's in front of her face. <laughs> so much has happened. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even talk. Yeah, fair enough. Did you finish your last panel, or do you you finished your panel and then you were watching that room for the other panels I that was, were going on? I was the bouncer for the room. And the, you, you have never seen a more intimidating bouncer. I didn't get to see her bounce anyone specifically, <laughs> but that would have been enjoyable to watch. I, I would have liked it. But yes, <laughs> uh, Renee Spencer, a.k.a. Pixie Bomber Cosplay. Uh, we were at your panel, Make It So, earlier, which Nick I and I, like, we both learned really a ton. Good. Legitimately, I was n- confused as to a lot of the terms. 
but I got the general gist of it it's and the passion you, guys you guys are new. You did theater. I feel like you could keep up with some of those costume terms. A lot of it I could, but then when it was like specific stitching and stuff, I was like, sure, it sounds great. The passion was there and that was awesome. I just was lost. But it was a great I panel. I wasn't lost. I thought it all made a lot of sense. You liar. <laughs> you, have no, you had no idea. Uh, but yeah, so as a third place award, I just realized everybody at this table won an award here it's at Renton City Comic Con. It's a pretty prestigious table to be at. I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> so I'm still blown away at that. Third place winner for your Poison Ivy Antoinette. Yeah. So And you spent how many hours? Well, it started at 300 hours, and then I decided to hand embroider the stomacher, and then this week I decided to dye the underwear and the stomacher. So I, I don't know anymore. How about we, so you started at 300, how about we just say 1,000 hours? We'll go with that. <laughs> a thousand hours for one cosplay. Probably. And if you want to hear all about it, there is a very special episode of Northwest Nerd where you can hear about what she goes through to make this cosplay. Just Absolutely. Like very. And you recently. can get tips from her and other award-winning exactly. cosplayers in that episode. It's a really good episode. Yeah. I'm very helpful. Shameless plug. So yeah. So definitely. Uh, thank you, Renee, for for stopping by the table. Uh, all right. So, as we were saying before, we were talking about uh, wrestling. Um, I know that I introduced you as Naked Dyer, but I mean, yeah, the Northwest Nerd Podcast, of course. Second time on here. So, 2018, Renton City Comic Con here at Hotel Interurban in Tukwila. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear the story behind uh, why it is in Tukwila and other things, definitely check out the Northwest Nerds series that they did with Renton City Comic Con organizers and staff because uh, the story is. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, <laughs> Footloose might have something to do with it. Yeah. yeah. Dyer tells it in a really specific and wonderful way that when he initially pitched it to me, I was like, I don't follow. You're just <laughs> going to have to do it and I'll listen to it. And then I did and it was fantastic. It's really good. It's like he's to listen to Northwest Nerd from like episode one to the Rencon stuff that we've been mm-hmm. doing. It's like Dyer, Dyer has just grown so much as a podcaster. It's really cool. Uh, and absolutely. I think that the award that we won this weekend is just a... It's a testament to how much work he puts into the show and how much he's gotten better as a storyteller. And he keeps on wanting to butt in because he doesn't like it when I just he really does not. He totally deserves well. it. He's he's just been killing it. Thank and uh, this this award is is his award uh, podcast of the year at uh, RenCon 2018 Northwest Geek Awards. Just shout out Dyer for that one. Yeah, fantastic. So the first thing that we will go over here at Rent City Comic Con that I have been blown away with. So this is a two day con. You know, I few hundred couple thousand people you know i'm not sure what the exact numbers are yet the amount of people in cosplay and the level of detail mm-hmm. in cosplay legitimately has blown me away i have covered cons nationwide for like a smaller south end seattle con blown away the cosplay here this weekend by like amateurs and some pros who just like came to, yeah, yeah. to be in cosplay was better than anything i saw while i was at pax like wow they had pros at booths at PAX, but I don't really count them. And PAX has kind of become unfriendly to cosplay in general. A little bit, so yeah. So things like RenCon have filled that space just beautifully. Like, this this place is packed with really, really talented cosplayers. A lot of that has to do with one of the founders of RenCon named Brian Morris, who is kind of their cosplay manager for this. And a lot of that has to do with because he is part of the cosplay scene. He owns a uh, company that does cosplay and prop making called Zach Labs. He has has a fascinating history in the puppetry world that led into cosplay, but he is kind of like a one-man hub 
of cosplay. He knows just about anybody in the region. He knows everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And so he, being a founder, has made a special emphasis to make this a cosplay convention. And it's obviously been very successful. More people probably come here because that cosplay family, the word gets out and they will come here. They'll come here just because they're all friends and they want to, you know, make sure that yeah, they I'd come up and represent. Yeah, I'd even inject one more word in there. I'd say that it's a cosplay community convention. It's yeah. just so focused on those particular people and what they're looking to do here. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just wonderful. Maybe it's they great. should start calling it Cosmicon. Ooh. Ooh. Cos- Cosplicon? Cos- Cosplicon? Okay, that just sounds ridiculous. I don't like that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think that sounds like a thing that <laughs> I went to good. in Russia when I was over there. Cosplicon? Ah, uh, yes. Cosplicon. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a delicious drink and a festival, I'm pretty sure. It's kind of like a piroshki. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the cosplay for me really just blew me away. How about we go around the table? So Dyer, outside of the cosplay, what was one of the things that really stood out for you Again, as somebody who's been to a few, quite a few cons. So there's two things that stood out for me, and one of them is real quick. I'm going to get out of the way because I think it's going to piggyback on something you're going to bring up. Okay. But it, is it Monkey House Studio? Monkey House Studio, yeah. This is a booth that's been right next to our area here at the convention. We had a photo booth while we were here, mm-hmm. and it's an artist. I know him at these conventions because he comes as steam pl- uh, steampunk Star Trek, steampunk. Kirk. Yeah. He yeah. does a very good job. He's really it. good. He has this, his steampunk phaser, like his right. Gen 1 phaser is dope. Well, even right down to his uh, Star Trek emblem, his badge mm-hmm. is, looks kind of like a sheriff's badge almost, yep. but it's Love it's that. pretty great. But he, did, he does art, and he did one particular piece of new art that was not cosplay that I ended up picking up, and I think maybe just hit me right because I'm, you know, a reporter in my day job, but... Uh, without getting too political, there have been a lot of uh, politics I- as of fine. late, talking yeah. <laughs> about reporters being enemy of the people and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he actually has something with Clark Kent in it. Yep, trying to make a little bit of a point it was like who you who you call an enemy of the people, enemy, you know? Yeah. And he's Superman. So yep, I bought that same print from him. I got one too, and I'm going to yep. frame it up. I, I like really it quite cool. a bit. So that one, I I felt very kind of a strong draw to, and the rest mm-hmm. of his artwork is pretty great too. So. Yeah. And so you also got some art from Yeah, so well? I got that same print as well. As, so the thing that I really liked about Monkey House Studios is all of his stuff is very illustrative. Like it looks like it is already part of a book. Mm-hmm. And you will have a couple taglines or the characters are saying a couple things. And in, the, in D&D parlance, in Dungeons & Dragons parlance, we call it an adventure hook. Mm-hmm. So he does this one frame, essentially, with some dialogue, but and he encourages people. He even has like a little sketchbook that he was like, cool, here's the image. It is a coloring book. And here's the page where you write your story having to do with oh, my piece really of art. Cool. Yes. That type of just like interactivity where it is. And he gives you the prompt. It is not just here's an image. It is here's an image and what the characters or what is going on. Mm-hmm. Write your own story. So smart. Love awesome. that. Love Very that idea. innovative. Too. Yeah. So yeah. Nick, what about you? What was something that stood out? Other than Monkey House Studios uh, and cosplay, <laughs> um, winning winning this award stood out to me. That's <laughs> right. cool. I love winning things. Mm-hmm. Um, I also moderated a panel on podcasting. We did like a podcasting one hundred and one panel mm-hmm. with uh, Genevieve Has from After These Messages, uh, Aaron Mason from Cairo Radio, a podcast producer over there, and Claire McGreen, mm-hmm. another podcast producer for GeekWire. Geek and that was God. That was so great because my our basic pitch for the like, panel was. There's a lot of really bad podcasting panels where they <laughs> tell you that, like, you're going to learn about stuff here. And then you go and they mostly talk about, like, yeah, I don't like paying to host things on SoundCloud, which 
doesn't help anybody, and really, nope. just like you leave confused more than anything. Or yeah. the, the, so the we classic in, panel thing where it doesn't have to be podcasting. It could be we've all been to one where we're going to learn something about writing, but it's really just somebody talking about their own book. Or yeah, yeah, or just like pitching you on like buy my yeah. new series. Exactly, you're not learning about writing here. So we wanted to actually be helpful and informative and like show people and tell people things about podcasting a lot of the uh, a lot of the crowd there either already had a podcast or wanted to start one so we took that as a as a jumping off point and did everything from like is your concept right okay you want to do a podcast what should your first steps be um to which like my number one tip to absolutely everybody like record a pilot episode yes just like see what you're like on mic see what you sound like and listen to yourself because if you don't want to listen to yourself (laughs) nobody else does (laughs) i have a whole folder on my computer of episodes before my first episode that's smart that's what i'm talking about we just just kind of got used to it oh i went back recently and listened to this after 126 episodes looking back at like like the pre oh they are rough but I, I we can't did listen it. to my own. Yeah, but it and just that's also part of the podcast thing, though, right? Like, no one who enters this, unless you're like already at NPR or whatever, is is mm-hmm. perfectly polished. Like, yeah. people expect uh, growth over time, I think, and that's one of the really cool things about our medium. And uh, yeah, that's one of the things we touched on in the panel as well. It was really good. I'm really excited to pitch it to other conventions so that more people can see it. Um, if you have any interest in podcasting, just like hit us up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was that was definitely a highlight for me. That was a lot of fun. Very cool. Uh, the other thing that I forgot to mention that is going to be on this episode are interviews with, with a few people. So Amaya Kokame, Keith Tucker, the storyboard artist, Ben Andrews, and Justin Hunt, who are part of Rented City Comic Con, as well as Justin Hunt is a storyboard or an artist, comic book Yeah, we artist. accidentally poked our heads in the room when you were recording that one. We were like, yeah. why is this door closed? Right. trying to come in. <laughs> well, Nick does not like closed doors because Nick is the type of person who is like, Wait, I'm not allowed somewhere? I think not. Have you seen this media pass? I demand closure. Like the, co- like the coffee you have in front of you. Uh, yeah. And you're like, I well, mean, free coffee? Yeah, I was in a green room and I was like, why have I been paying for coffee all weekend? And then they just poked my head in there. I was like, hey, is there coffee in here? And they're like, yeah, it's over there. And I got some. Nice. That's uh, how so you get things at conventions. <laughs> just ask. Pretty much. So with Renton City Comic Con, another thing that has been interesting about it is, you know, with the growth that you guys talked about on on your show, being at a hotel is definitely convenient for a lot of people, both the artists and other people who are coming into town. They're like, cool, it is right downstairs. Yeah, just stay right there. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it convenient. The way it is laid out, I think, has been interesting and relatively easy to manage, except for one of the spaces that is, like, across the parking lot. That has more some like some merch type stuff. I did buy some comics over there because I can smell comics from a mile away. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm just so just picturing you walking around the con and just like catching a whiff of comics <laughs> and be <just> like, <gasps> comics are here. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be a, a little bit more blunt about it, and it's nothing that the RenCon folks had any control over. They they put the convention space where the convention space is. Yeah. But it was uh, almost like I had to hear about it word of mouth to find that third space. And when I did this morning. I walked over across the hall. I ended up getting two glasses to actually use that were, you know, Star Trek and Doctor Who themed. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a very nice area to actually go find, and I think that might hit on the point about maybe the layout being a little interesting. Yeah. But eventually you catch up and you find. And I didn't get a chance to actually explore. I was booth bound the whole time. So. <laughs> 
that was Ben. That was, that ben, was ben Andrews, Andrews founder. Which I, I think he's going to be on this episode later. Yeah. Letting me know whose mic this is. Yeah, yeah. He, he likes to creep up on people like that. Yeah. Ben's great. Ben's the best. But yeah. So the way it was laid out, I did think it was also cool that kind of the first con floor, you know, not the first floor of the hotel. Which, granted, if you wanted to take good cosplay pictures. The first floor was the place to be. Oh yeah, because almost everybody, because a lot of them are in very I was hot say the costumes. Driveway was the place to be. <laughs> people were just yeah, up outside, which was great advertising for the con, actually. Oh yeah, because it got real warm in a lot of places in the yeah, con, especially if you were in full costume. So it'd hang out downstairs by the nice doors that kept opening and getting a nice breeze. Mm-hmm. But then the first kind of main con floor to the second floor, which we are recording in right now, you know, has a lot of up and coming artists as well as a few established artists. Which is really nice. Good mix of people, genres, everything from like super illustrative stuff like Kevin McCoy to really interesting just pen and ink type stuff. So, and then on the 19th floor, that is where you have kind of the high, more high profile artists like Justin Hunt, like Keith Tucker. Yeah. So that was just, it Larry was a nice, Hama, yeah. G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. a bunch of those guys. Yeah. So it was nice mix, you know, that it was spread out mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so with you guys, you had your photo booth. Yes. With the always. <laughs> and so with those pictures, like every time I came up here, there were people, you know, getting pictures either willingly or Nick being like, "Hey, Punisher, get over here." Or he I was amenable to that. He liked it. <laughs> he was. Once people knew kind of what was going on, they were like, "Oh, yeah, okay." I was like, "Yeah, free photos. Check sure. them out on the Facebook page, Northwest Nerd. Just look for us later." Yeah. So those definitely will be up there. So yeah, now in its in its third year, this being my first year covering We're it, and really did gestured at by the way. Oh, of course we have by <laughs> two people who we know. Of course we are it. literally in the in the middle of the convention right now <laughs> yeah. recording this. So as people, people are, are like, taking notice, we commandeered a table that formerly had a water station on it. <laughs> that was another thing, and actually I've got to write that down. Were so great having water stations all over the con. Awesome. So great. It was literally three feet away from our booth. Mm-hmm. So I told people all weekend that it was complimentary water from Northwest Nerd. <laughs> You're welcome. Told them it wasn't. If you yeah. had brought a sticker, <laughs> you just should have slapped a sticker on there. We brought yeah. stickers. I, I did bring stickers. Vandalize hotel. Property. I am now out of stickers. Wow. Uh, but yeah. So I've been impressed. You know, especially in a con in its third year, with the professionalism of everybody. You know, later in the episode, you will hear. Justin and Ben talk about some of those kind of growing pains that they kind of came up with and why Justin was really brought on to kind of keep everybody accountable, to keep people in check. Because as everybody at this table knows, like we're talking about podcasting, recording that first episode, great. Have somebody else listen to it with a critical ear, even if it is just one of your friends who might not be super into podcast. Having somebody else and not your friends or family listen to it, be like, yeah, it's great. Uh, Put it on iTunes. (laughs) I mean, it's a it's a good problem, right? They've grown at an amazing rate, and now they need to figure out how to grow in like the particular way that's going to help them move forward. Because mm-hmm. I think that they're still at that stage where they want to do a little bit of everything, which is admirable, but I think ultimately impossible if you want to keep on growing at the rate that they're growing. Like, yeah. you gotta you gotta focus in on some stuff. I think that there's definitely some things that they'll uh, they'll hone in on, mm-hmm. and some other things that hopefully they're like, you know what, maybe we'll let some other con take care of that particular piece of things. Like, their podcast room was ridiculous. Like that, that was crazy. Was so cool um all of their live streaming on twitch and youtube was really well produced like shout out to f uh sf creative media for doing all that stuff marissa mm-hmm. who's behind that yeah was very impressive and i actually asked her a little bit about the background of that they have a uh, history in filmmaking in this region 
Um, but very impressive of what they've set up. You can see mm-hmm. their whole computer display. They have cameras everywhere. They're using shotgun microphones. They're using... And then they, they took the time to actually make a set. I felt like I was in yeah. one of the nerdiest basements I've ever been in or something like that. In a good I was way. on the 19th floor. In a good way. I was really on the 19th <laughs> floor of a hotel. Um, just a type of professionalism you wouldn't necessarily expect. Especially, again, third year. Right. And it was something yeah. where last third time... Year. Last time you guys were on the episode and we were recording in my studio, Dyer said that, you know, recording in my studio can get difficult sometimes because everywhere you look, there is something nerdy. It's yeah. distracting. Going it's distracting on. Room. That's a problem for me. In uh, <laughs> and so now with as much art as I have been buying at the past two shows, both Renton City Comic Con and Rose City Comic Con, the studio is going to get even more stuff. But yeah, ha- mm. seeing their podcast room, you know, set up the way it was. Yeah, definitely a huge shout That's out. really cool to them because it was just it was solid it was a really good setup i did the interviews in there uh with no video of course <laughs> uh but um and the other thing is i recorded an interview with uh stephen smith the astrophysicist i'm glad you brought him up uh he is awesome uh watching him dance at the after party <laughs> that was great was was pretty awesome because he is in his vest he's got and his bow tie did you get to any of his panels this year? I caught the tail end of his Saturday panel. Okay. I missed completely his Sunday panel because it was during Renee's, and I wanted to make sure to yes. support her. I um, came here expecting a guy from NASA to be here. Mm-hmm. I expected him to maybe talk about some NASA stuff. Yeah. I did not expect to be inspired emotionally impacted with hope for the future of humanity. Yeah, you yeah. were glassy-eyed when you stepped I came, out of that. Uh, yeah, I came to Nick shortly after crying, and... It was just everything that he was talking about, about where we are right now Mm -hmm. as a species moving into outer space and everything that we're doing. They're building a gateway, which is a station right around the moon. It's not theory. It's in the works. They have Mm -hmm. plans doing it. We're going to Mars. They've made discoveries right now that essentially are just a hair away of confirming that life was there. Yep. Most likely before... We were we here. We were here. Yeah. So yeah, we talk about that during very the interview. Very inspirational. So. And also a guy who knows how to read the room and make some jokes that yes. only nerds would know. And like, yep. Yeah, he says, I, I try these jokes elsewhere. Nobody gets it. But like we got it here. So very, very inspired by that guy. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, I think that about wraps it up for, for Renton, City, Renton City Comic Con 2018 coverage. Like I said, we are in the middle of the floor. All the artists are breaking down. Uh, they're yeah, we're going to be last. Uh, yeah, you guys have your banner and stuff that, uh, that needs to get broken down. Uh, yeah, just well. shout out to everybody on the Rencon team. Like, yeah. they, they put together a job. wonderful show. I had a great time. Everyone I spoke to seemed like they were having a good time. The volunteers were wonderful to talk to because there was a couple always stationed right next yeah. to us. Mm-hmm. So good job yeah, getting you guys volunteers. Had, like, personal assistance. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. But yeah, definitely. One of them was like grabbing people. And like, hey, you gotta take a photo. Over <laughs> here. And I was like, you really don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so definitely. Yeah, Marcel, Abby, yeah. Brian, just a few of the all many of them, people. Yeah. You know that we interact. Can you with name all eighty to hundred of them or so that they got? I mean, I could, but do I okay. want to show? Right. Off? We're running out of yeah, time. Right. We gotta, we all gotta right. get to the interviews, right? Um, and I have to go polish my Geek of the Year trophy. So definitely, thank you to everybody. <laughs> Not a euphemism, uh, right? Thank you for everybody who who voted. You know, for who nominated me first and then voted in the final round. So uh, winning the 2018 Rent City Comic Con Geek of the Year is a huge honor. So uh, that is another unique thing. That Renton City did. It's a really showcase. It sounds like they're going to do it even better next year. Like I'm, I'm excited to see what they do next. I'm down. I'm excited to beat you next year. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, like kind of like I beat Dyer in basketball. Um, or Renee in Wow, guess we're going there, huh? Or cornhole. cornhole. Or any other game John that somebody... competitive. <laughs> Let's play some pinball now, huh? <laughs> Sorry, what is that game? Never heard of it. Uh-huh. Not a real game. Uh, so, yes. So, thank you, Nick and I from the Northwest Nerd Podcast for being on again. And, yeah, now we'll get to the interviews that I did with Amaya Kokame, Keith Tucker, uh, Ben Andrews, Justin Hunt, and Stephen Smith. After that... I will be reviewing some movies that are in theaters this week that I will be doing back when I get to my studio. Another shout out to Brian Smith. He was another artist that I brought some stuff, bought some stuff from, bought an original Daredevil piece from Justin Hunt that is amazing that I cannot wait to put up in the studio to serve as a Check distraction. Check it out on Instagram. Yeah, it is up there. So, and then where can people find you guys on the social media landscape that will be linked in the description below. We're pretty much NW Nerd Podcast everywhere you look uh, on Twitter and Instagram at NW underscore nerd. Uh, There will be a bunch just a slew of photo booth photos from all the great cosplay Mm -hmm. and people walking the con floor on our Facebook page uh, which I believe is facebook.com slash NW Nerd and you'll see our logo everywhere. It's the blue hexagon with the glasses in it and the NW with the tree and the mountain because Northwest and uh, yeah, we're, we're findable. Awesome. Thanks guys. Thank you. Welcoming to the show now is, I believe, the youngest uh, table presenter here, artist here at Renton City Comic Con. Welcoming is Amaya Kokame. Hello. (laughs) So tell me about the amazing art that you have here in your booth. Um, Most of these drawings are based off like anime or just manga styled because that's just been my inspiration ever since I was like a little kid. And it's been really fun just selling all these prints here today. Yeah, and now when you say ever since you were a little kid, because that was so long ago. So how old are you uh, right now? I am 13 years old. Fantastic. Yes. So would you say, when you think back on your anime influences, what were some of those first memories that you have? Well, the first anime that I started watching was like, Sailor Moon and like Dragon Ball and Pokemon, like the classics, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then are those current inspirations for what you do now, or are you constantly looking at you know some of the newer things? I'm I'm still looking back on the old stuff sometimes, I, but I still look back. I still look back on the old stuff, but um, I like to explore new things and to go beyond and just do newer stuff. Yeah. Okay. Now this is the first time that you have actually had your own booth at a comic-con right yes what do you think of it so far i think it's going pretty good i was nervous at first but i'm really excited and i'm really happy right now have you been doing many original sketches while you have been here yes i've been doing a lot of commissions and like art trades and stuff like that nice and then justin hunt is your mentor who's also you know kind of a big deal here at renton city comic-con yes so can you talk about that mentorship aspect of your art and kind of how it has helped you progress? Justin has helped me with a lot of things like like anatomy and just other stuff that art that I didn't really like think about. And it just helped me a lot. Like he can be like, as he says, he's not trying to be hard on me or like he's criticizing me to help me and just learn how to be a better artist and every day you can improve. Yeah. And I think everybody needs kind of that brutal honesty yeah. sometimes <laughs> because, you know, your friends and your family will love everything you do yeah. because they're your friends and your family. Having that third person, you know, that objective third person being like, 
this is okay, but, you know, tweak this to really make it better. Yes. So now with that mentorship, is that something that you guys are, you know, working on consistently? Do you guys meet up pretty often to go over this? Um, well, I met Justin, like, around August when I did the workshop with him. So we've been, like, t- um, before the con, we've been just, like, figuring out what to do with the con and then just print, print-wise. print But other than that, we just kind of been, like, yeah, chatting about how I can improve as an artist. Yeah. Okay. And what would you say is your major medium? So is it pen and ink, paper? Like, what do you feel oh. the most comfortable with? Um. I'm pretty comfortable with both, but I started with traditional, and then I kind of just wanted to get more, I don't know, expensive, like, materials (laughs) to draw. Right. And then I got an iPad, which helped me with digital art as well, and that's how I got got to get these prints. Okay, so you were kind of, you still have your one foot in the door as far as traditional, but with the iPad, you're kind of leaning more towards the digital, and do you feel more comfortable with the digital, or still traditional? Um, it's like in between because like when um the ipad it's like every time like it doesn't feel the same as traditional because mm-hmm. i think traditional you feel more free doing what you what, what like you're used to yeah okay now if you were to describe when people come up to your booth you know how would you describe your art to them in the best way um the best way um i would describe my art as just um like yeah just anime manga style art like 13 years old i got (laughs) my stand and um yeah i can do commissions and stuff and like yeah just come by and just buy something fantastic now if people want to buy your prints are they available online and where can people find your work um well, I haven't actually like made any website or anything yet. So right now we're just kind of getting people to like finding their address and then just sending it to them right okay. now at the moment. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I will put your kind of links to anything in the show notes. So then the Instagram for your art looks like is AK04 underscore art. Yes. So I will direct people there if they have any questions and then if they want to buy something not just here at Renton City Comic Con yes. but also sounds like you will mail it out to them yeah excellent well thank you for taking the time well thank you yeah. Keith Tucker is a legendary storyboard lunatic <laughs> storyboard artist that has done things like you know you might remember from little things He-Man She-Ra Spider-Man X-Men Animaniacs Pinky and the Brain just to name a few, Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers. But where are Pinky and the Brain? They were, yeah, I said the Pinky and the Brain. You did. I didn't hear that. <laughs> so you have been in the industry for a long time and involved in so many iconic projects as a storyboard artist. Not only as a board artist, I back in '81 is when I first got into the industry as a special effects animator, mm-hmm. 2D. Before the computers took over. Um, on uh, St- uh, Star Trek II, mm-hmm. The Wrath of Khan. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. And the first Conan movie. You Conan! Mean, you mean the only Conan movie that we like to acknowledge and not the PG-13 version, which was ridiculous? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that you have said before is that out of all of those, Pinky and the Brain is still yeah. your favorite thing that you have worked on. What about that 
among everything that you have done, really sets that apart? Uh, it was unique. Yeah. Uh, unique scripts. Um, it was a co-production with Steven Spielberg and Warner Brothers, um, created with, uh, by Tom Ruger um, with Steven Spielberg. And his criteria was that the show appealed to adults and kids simultaneously like mm-hmm. the old Warner Brother cartoons that used to be in theaters. You know, you'd go to a movie and, and see a cartoon and then you'd see the, uh, the movie. Mm-hmm. Now we go to a movie and see commercials. Right. <laughs> before the movie. So just kind of that, that unique blend of, of mm. humor and writing. Yeah. It, it, it just, it was bent. Mm-hmm. And it, it appealed to my vintage mind. <laughs> well, and then I kind of touch on what you were talking about before with the, the live action things that you did along with the animation side of things. Yeah. So with John Carpenter's The Thing, which is this incredible movie. So and you helped out with the like the title sequence and you know other parts of that, right? Uh, just the title sequence. Just the title sequence, yeah. So when you watch the credits, my name's in with... Uh, title sequence <laughs> different set of credits and mm-hmm. uh, I was just thrilled to be a part of that I animated the rocket trail on the spaceship mm-hmm. and I helped with the practical effects um, that Peter Coran had set up uh, this tank full of fog mm-hmm. and we had the lettering the thing on one part of the fish tank and uh, a black plastic or I mean this flammable black paper mm-hmm. um, held up by two mic stands <laughs> and behind the letters the thing where this uh, bright light mm. and the tank was filled with fog and Peter held one long match and I held the other long match and uh, we lit the paper on fire <laughs> and as it burned it let the light go through awesome so I, uh, I was a match holder. <laughs> as soon as you, st- as soon as you started that story by saying specifically flammable paper, I was waiting to see where that story was going. <laughs> yes, burnage. <laughs> now, when I was looking through some of your your storyboard books that you have here for sale, I find it just fascinating, you know, laying out those storyboards. And we talked a little bit about the the process from script to then storyboard than animation and how the project basically has multiple different lives you know throughout that process oh um well yeah there are uh it takes a village to make an animated cartoon right um there are character designers there are background designers there are background painters there are the people who do the color for the characters. Mm-hmm. And um, there are prop makers. There are people who paint those props. Everything has to match from one scene to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and squeezed in there um, <laughs> uh, are the storyboard guys. Uh, oh, and then it starts with a script. The writers have to write it. Right. And uh, so we have something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we, as storyboards, we visualize what will be animated. So we're dealing with the, um, 
the characters reacting them mm-hmm. we're setting them in scenes where you have to have a knowledge of filmmaking to know how a piece of film is made you know it's like a series of uh, cuts you know generally um, you go with long medium close mm-hmm. and then you come out and but you could create a different rhythm sometimes you can go close and then go wide mm-hmm. uh, you can do your uh, do it in twos you know cut this cut there and then cut there it's you know there there are variables to the rules but it's uh, it all has to flow cinematically mm-hmm. so that you don't lose your audience um, we kind of deal with uh, 180 degrees of a 360 degree you have a circle in 360 you cut it in half at 180 you generally don't want to cross that 180 plane so you choose your angles to work with that because when you cross that angle you start disorienting your audience now if your goal is in the story Mm -hmm. to have your audience temporarily be disoriented yeah you can utilize that so there are multiple variables to creating a piece of film. So I'm kind of a cartoonist slash filmmaker. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes sense. Now, when you have been involved in so many of these projects, you know, over so many decades that those of us grew up watching. So many decades! <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me about, like, the first time, because you hear it all the time. Tell me about those first times when you heard somebody say, you drew my childhood. Oh God, I can't even remember. <laughs> uh, but it's 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 countless. It's wonderful. It really blows my mind that something that you know we did in our little cubicles and you know windowless rooms and did all this stuff and you know we had no idea that you know the Saturday morning cartoons would that people would be so enamored with. Mm-hmm. And it's um, on. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it just, it has been incredible, you know, hanging out with you this whole weekend, uh, just to get to know, you know, that part of the process that, again, we grew up watching. We grew up seeing the final version of these and then looking through your storyboards, talking to you about it has been pretty incredible. So I really appreciate, you know, you taking the time and sitting down to talk to me about this. Will G, <laughs> thank you. And then with your with your current projects, where is the best place people can go to see where you are going to be? You know, various cons and also the things that you are working on now. TuckerTunes.com. Tucker Tunes, you know, like cartoons.com. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you again, Keith, for taking the time. Certainly. Certainly. Stephen Smith, astrophysicist extraordinaire, <laughs> uh, is joining the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. So you gave two panels. I did. This weekend here at Rented City Comic Con. Yes. Uh, I only caught the tail end of one. Sorry. Ugh. Uh, I have been busy. No, no. Just look ashamed. It's fine. I mean, I always do. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, another reason why no camera. That's right. That's why no so one will ever perpetual know. perpetual Trust me. He looks so ashamed right now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so in the world of astrophysics actually technically in the universe of, universe, yes. of astrophysics yes 
So talk about some of the things that you mentioned on the panel. I caught the tail end of the Saturday panel. Right. When you guys were talking about kind of resources yeah. in space. Right. And how kind of illogical it is to be like, oh, we should get all of that and bring it here. Right, right. Yeah, so um, so I'm actually, I'm, I'm an education specialist at uh, NASA's uh, Johnson Space Center. Um, I work for the Office of STEM Engagement. So our job is to go out and get people excited about science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Mm -hmm. I always throw in a little A in there because I try to be a little steamy when I can. Yes. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> we have um, drinks in front of us there you go. <laughs> that no one can see. No one can see. Um, so uh, there are a lot of logistical issues when you talk about traveling to the moon or traveling to Mars or, or other places like that. And you know, distance, when, when we're talking about these distances, it's hard sometimes to wrap your brain around really what we're talking about. Um, so right now the International Space Station is, is flying overhead at about 238 to 250 miles. So you know, it's not huge. I mean, it's, it's up there, don't get me mm -hmm. wrong, but you know, we're, not, we're not vast and huge. If something goes horribly wrong in the International Space Station, we can get everybody off and back on the planet in six hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so if they run out of uh, something or they need a part or whatever, we can just... A thingamajig. A thingamajig, yes. Right. We just pop it on a little rocket, pop it up in there. And so, you know, it's got to go 238 miles up and it's, you know, we got to get it up to like 17,500 miles an hour so we can catch up. Okay. You know, no right. big, easy stuff. Okay, the, the up part is easy. <laughs> 238, I was like, all right, so here to Portland, right. sure. No big. The 17,000 miles per hour. That's a little, okay, it's a little challenging. Okay. It's a little challenging. Uh, but now if I'm talking about the moon, now I'm two days away. So I'm 238,000 miles away. Mm -hmm. So if something goes wrong, if I lose a, it's not as easy to just pop back over. Right. Now that 238,000 miles, just to put it in some perspective, I could put every planet, including Jupiter, between the Earth and the moon and have 3,000 miles to spare. Wow. It's a big <laughs> distance. Yeah. It's a long way away. So um, there are resources on the moon that would be incredible to have here on our planet. Uh, there's a, th a thing called helium-3. It's a, it's, a, it's a specific isotope of helium. I heard it was twice as good as the first helium. It is. Okay. It is, absolutely. Well, the, it, the, second, the second one is never as good, but the third one, they usually come back around. Exactly. Return um, of the King. Right. Perfect example. <laughs> exactly. Um, it has so much energy that one shuttle full of helium-3 would power the entire United States for a year. Okay. Right? And it, you, you, you get the energy from it through fission reaction, just the same as nuclear, right? Mm -hmm. But what you have left at the end isn't like super radioactive plutonium. It's hydrogen and helium. So we're going there and we're going to, to mine for, we're going to be, there's, you know, tens of thousands of tons of water ice and there's this helium three. So we're going to create a, a state, a, a service station basically uh, that's on the moon. But uh, when I start talking about bringing stuff back and getting it in and out of the gravity mm -hmm. well of the planet now, all of a sudden it's not as fiscally feasible or logistically feasible. And so NASA is not really talking or looking at, you know, how do we bring stuff back here, but how do we find stuff out there for use while we're out there? Interesting. Okay. And then there's also the economic issue of, let's say we know, for example, that there is a, a, an asteroid that's basically completely made out of platinum. Right. One of the most expensive metals on the planet. Mm -hmm. So the, the original thought, well, why the heck wouldn't we just bring back this giant thing of platinum? Because it's worth so much money. We With could those just... big nets that NASA was working on. Yes. Okay. Right. But if we do that, now there's so much platinum here that it's not worth anything. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's an economic issue as well. Uh, but platinum is, re is very useful in electronics because it's superconductive and things like that. So instead of trying to bring it here and crashing our economic market, 
we can just use it out there for the electronics and the pieces and part and mine it. Uh, and the word is in situ, in ah. place where it, uh, where it actually is. Okay, so I mean almost the Star Trek model yeah. of having space stations yes. along the route. That's exactly right. That you go to, it is your pit stop, yes. on your way to the next place. Yes, that's it. So that is way more economically feasible and logical than trying to bring stuff here. here. That's exactly right. Okay, and I would be remiss without asking you this question, because as soon as I told people that I, that I was going to be talking to you, yes. this comes up, and I'm sure you deal with this all the time. Okay. I forget who it was now. Now I feel bad. But the, <laughs> the quote was, there are two possibilities yes. with life in the universe. Yes. Either we are alone or we are not. Right. Equal of, both of them are equally terrifying. Yes. So with that in mind, kind of in your field that yes. you're working on, what is the most exciting thing yes. that is coming up? And what is the thing that you are most afraid of? Okay. So the most exciting thing is, uh, is just along the lines of what you were talking about. So we are on the precipice of being able to say that there is life or was very recently on a planet that is not Earth. Hmm. Uh, we've made two major discoveries on Mars. Uh, one of them is we found complex organic molecules in the surface soil of Mars. So I'm talking within two centimeters of the surface soil. So if these are fossilized remains mm -hmm. of living things, if you understand geology at all, the, the deeper it is, the older it is. Yeah, that is not right? very long Within ago. <laughs> two centimeters, I'm talking like yesterday, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and the, the organic molecules are so prevalent there that um, the device that we use to find it isn't really made to find them, but they were just so prevalent, so obvious that there was no other conclusion to draw. Now add to that that we have recently discovered a 12-mile wide lake of liquid water on mars? mars yes it's just under the um, liquid i thought mars was like super how, dry right? yeah no okay we know that there's a uh, there are incredible amounts of ice that is frozen and right. locked up there but there is a 12 mile wide lake of liquid water under the southern polar ice cap that we just discovered so when you add liquid water mm -hmm. to complex organic molecules there's only so much stuff that you get and most of that is alive hmm. so i can't say right that it is but ooh, we're close. We're so close. And that is incredibly exciting because not just the scientific understanding, but our understanding of ourselves and our philosophical and, and maybe even our religious beliefs mm -hmm. would change drastically with this indefatigable proof. Even though there will, there will always be, regardless of 100%, what yes. type of life it has, yes. people are like, oh, that doesn't count. Yes. It, it, we're still the only sentient life. Right. Or we're still the only carbon-based. And it just... There are going to be so many there are kind of ideas like that without recognizing yes. the true reper repercussions right. of what that means in the galactic or universal sense. 100% true. I mean, it, we still live in a time, so imagine the things that we know and the places that we've been and the things that we've seen, and you still have people that don't understand that the Earth is round. I, yeah. Right? And, and let <laughs> me tell you, if you ever watch it, But they have meetings they all, do. all over the world. It, the banner, all around the banner the world. Head, it's mm. all around. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so there, there was a banner headline that said something along those lines. You mm -hmm. know, we have members all around the world. And I couldn't help myself but comment that, yes, yes, you do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were not lying. <laughs> they were not. Um, but it, it just that right now, in our, in the, and here's my answer to the thing that scares me the most. Because we live in this time of incredible scientific discovery. We live in this time of, of technology like we've never had before. The, our world is smaller now than it has ever been. Mm-hmm. And it's getting smaller every second of every day. 
but we have this very specific push against scientific understanding, against understanding about things and not trivial things, right? but like whether or not climate change is a thing and these hurricanes are gonna get bigger and stronger and the droughts and the desertification and all these sort of things which are directly affecting people's lives on a day-to-day -day basis and aren't gonna get any better before they get horribly worse. Yeah. And you have, I have to be really careful because of who I'm speaking for, mm -hmm. but there are individuals and entities that are specifically pushing back against us under understanding things. And I think that's so dangerous mm -hmm. and it's so scary um, that that's the thing that keeps me up at night. So the discoveries themselves, I think are the most amazing things, but that push back um, against our understanding. And if you, if you do understand things and if you are interested in things, you're, you know, educated, uh, academic elite or your, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that is devastatingly um, destructive to us as a people. And that is something that, I mean, when they, speaking on climate change, yes, briefly, because we do not have six hours, right. <laughs> when, when they say that the scientific community, 99% of the scientific community agrees that this is happening. Yes. As a professional yes. in the scientific community, yes. how often are you guys 99% sure of I anything? I can't think of any other example. Exactly. Like I seriously <laughs> cannot come up with an example of anything that we have the same level of, of cohesive consensus. I mean, we argue more than that about gravity, right? I, <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know, stuff that when you, and you know, when you drop something, it's going to fall. Mm -hmm. We are less certain about that than we are about this. That, yeah, that hurts my brain right? to think about. And especially here, you say that the thing that you fear most is us are the things yes. that are on this planet. That's a hundred percent. Not the yes. Romulans that are hiding behind Pluto, no. but people here. Yes. Yeah. No, we'll handle all the rest of that. Okay. <laughs> we'll figure that out. Now, all the rest know. of the stuff we can handle, but, but that's the, that, that internal purposeful ignorance. Mm, that is, yeah. Is that's the thing. That's the thing that, that that's going to be the, it's not going to be the nuclear. It's not going to, it's going to be that. Interesting. Yes. Uh, and then one of the last questions. So as, of course, sci-fi geeks and nerds, yes. like all of us are, of kind of those sci-fi tropes that we see, mm -hmm. you know, faster than light travel or transporters right. or in what genre or necessarily what franchise would you say is closest to you think what we will eventually get to do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there are pieces and parts of a lot of different ones that are that are real close that are that are real right on um, but I, I would have to say the one that has been the most consistently um, proved to be true mm -hmm. has to be the Star Trek franchise um, great answer there's so many I mean if you think about the the way our flip phones looked in the 90s yeah. as compared to well, we have one right here <laughs> a communicator that you can't see but trust me it's right here mm-hmm um, you know Wesley Crusher and them using the, the what looks like an iPad at this and point, and they were right? called pads. They were in Star Trek, yes. ADD. So um, a lot. It's just it's just one of those things that you know that's the one that we're catching up to. I think the fastest, and their idea of of faster than light travel being warp speed works into our understanding of how physics works and the possibility of wormholes and it mm -hmm. it works into what the theoretical physics slash incredible high level mathematics say is possible more so than a lot of the other um sci-fi sci franchises 
Fantastic. So, yeah. I love that. And then uh, the other thing, when we were at the uh, party last night, and you talked about this before we started recording, everybody is in some fantastic costumes <laughs> and cosplay. <laughs> yes. Uh, and somebody rudely said that you had a great Bill Nye cosplay. I did, yes. Because uh, you were wearing a, a spiffy vest and bow tie, bow tie, of course. Yes. So, I mean, if you and Bill Nye were to get into a science off. Yes. We laid on some cardboard. Right. Science Just off. Full Who on. Who wins? Go. That's a great question. So, Bill Nye mm-hmm. is brilliant. Yes. He's an engineer. Mm-hmm. But he has surrounded himself with these amazing scientific minds. And he's been at this longer than I have. Not to dig in his age or anything a little <laughs> right. bit. But, um, that young whippersnapper. I know. Um, but, uh, you know, I... I think I could hold my own in a lot of those venues. I, I really okay. do. Um, I think he may, he, he may get me in the end, but it's going to be a close race. I feel good about that. And, and my response last night to, uh, to the, the person, and, and my wife and I had joked about, you know, here we are at this costume contest. We were just going to say that we were dressed up and let people guess who we were. Right. Um, so this person came up and said, you know, great Bill Nye. And I said, no, he has a great Stephen Smith. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for, for taking the time. I know that uh, you've had a packed weekend, so I yes. appreciate you sitting down with of me. Of course. And uh, so where can people find you on social media, kind yeah. of the things that you are working on, the very important causes like Absolutely. STEM and STEAM, yes. of course. Of course. Because putting art in there is right. vitally important. And another thing that, again, the thing that I fear yes. are those programs no longer existing. Right. So yeah, where can right. people find you and the things that you are doing? Um, so probably the best place, the kind of clearinghouse for all of that stuff is uh, is my Twitter feed. Okay. Uh, so I tweet out just uh, you know NASA stuff, incredible discovery stuff, science stuff. Um, and it, it is focused a little bit on educators in particular and things for students and educators and, uh, and that sort of thing. But it's at NASA STEM Educate. So NASA S-T-E-M Educate. Um, and it's, I don't put any political stuff on there. There's no like what I had for dinner, you know, whatever. I'm right. really careful about other things that I like on there that might post on there. Okay. Um, it's, um, it's very specific. Very curated, as it the is. kids call it, it in the is. social media world. Yes. So that's my curated feed, NASA, at NASA STEM Educate. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Stephen. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Two, some would say, of the most important people of Renton City Comic Con are joining me right now. Uh, no, it is not. You, there, there are two people behind you. Uh, okay, I see them. I, we were <laughs> looking at each other going, what? So, Ben Andrews and Justin Hunt of Renton City Comic Con. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thank you, sir. So, this is the third year of Renton City Comic Con. In this now third year, what would you say has been kind of the biggest growth experience that, that you each have done? kind of that you each have experience in this three years. So, Ben, go ahead. First of all, I, uh, to be honest, I thought this was year seven. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. Uh, the, the, the biggest growth uh, f- that I have understood is that my phone is ringing during your podcast. Because uh, Ben's actually a stripper. The... Uh, <laughs> I'll well, it's weird as he was actually stripping just now. I mean, <laughs> I'll get know. back to that client. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what? You start something in the South End in the city of Renton, mm-hmm. and it's small and it's grassroots, and you get a bunch of friends that are fellow geeks, and you scrap it together because you all love the culture, and we're all family in this small community, and that's year one. 
and you face all these challenges, you try to celebrate that community, and then year two, you grow up a little bit more, and you double your attendance, and then suddenly here in year three, you're on radars, mm-hmm. and you have people to please, and you have to, you have to transition to being professional, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, literally professional. And when I say that, I mean, like, like, you can get away with a lot of stuff when you're doing a swap meet. <laughs> yeah. But, but there's a transition period, and how you deal with that and what the culture of your team and all that, that is, like, the tricky part. And that's, the, that's I think, the biggest growing pain for me this year. I don't have any growing pains because this is my first year in this capacity okay. with Renton City Comic Con. Um, last year, I was a vendor mm-hmm. uh, as a as a comic artist, and I was I was asked to come on board to consult. Um, I also do some business consulting uh, with. I have lots of con experience from both sides as an attendee and as a vendor, mm-hmm. um, as well as regular business experience um, to provide an additional oversight. And w- when you work together as friends, certain things get overlooked, um, yeah. certain ideas, certain perspectives. So I came on as like a an outside looking in, third eye, oracle, whatever Ben wants to say. Um, but... Third eye oracle. I've never used that term. Visionary. I'll I'll cut through Uh, it all. He saved our asses. He'll be he'll be shy about it, but he he saved our asses this year. Awesome, hands down. And that was actually something that I was going to to bring up, Justin, is that as somebody who has been a professional comic artist and a vendor at multiple you know cons, and you have a different kind of behind the scenes aspect as an exhibitor, you know, as every pretty much level, whether it is media press exhibitor vendor and now organizer or consultant so in those two kind of major roles what would you say have been the biggest differences so as a vendor i'm worried about my my 10 feet to the front my six (laughs) feet to the back what's happening there and you know uh you kind of pay attention to as a comic book artist, what are the other main comic book artists who are there? So Mm. somebody comes by and they say, do you have a carnage piece? I don't, but Billy Bob over here has a carnage piece or somebody over here. I bought two of Billy Bob's things. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a sling blade (laughs) carnage. (laughs) Anyway. um, But, uh, Andy has a thing of French fried taters right next to him. They do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but uh, you know, you, you know your surrounding area, and I go there for a different reason. Mm-hmm. As a as a vendor, I'm there not just necessarily to make money, but I'm there also to network, to right. expand my fan base, to talk to other artists, to identify what's the upcoming trend. You want to work on a project together, see what they're doing, and meet those who are my idols that I don't necessarily get to see. So it's a different way. As a organizer and behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that is the least of my worries Mm. um and my thing is uh for this year the different ownership of this organization has kind of split into almost a cerebrus of of directions Mm -hmm. um and my job is to go and check make sure this is here and this is here and this is here more as a project management so as I'm enjoying the show, I'm enjoying it because of the feedback 
are the vendors happy? Are the attendees happy? Nice. Is the staff happy? Is the venue happy? So I'm looking at all the stakeholders, mm-hmm. and the last stakeholder I'm looking at is this guy. Mm-hmm. So, and by those who aren't, you can't pointing. see this. I'm pointing at myself. <laughs> pointing at himself, um, <laughs> But anyway, so the, the biggest difference is who your perspective is. Mm-hmm. One, it's a focus on you and your community, and the other one is I'm the go behind the scenes. And you don't really, people don't need to know who you are, but by the end of the day, everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, speaking of kind of, you know, those things that, you know, Ben would say that you brought in, Justin, as a consultant to kind of help you, mm. you know, really expand because all of us creative types have hit those certain strides at different points. And like, okay, this is not just a hobby. This is not just hanging out with my friends, like Justin said this now turns a corner. So now that you have kind of turned that corner a little bit, and now that, do you feel like a professional now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? That's an excellent question. And it's funny because we're all creatives. Mm-hmm. I think creatives become professional creatives. And I'll just call it what it is. We're all damaged. <laughs> like, you damaged know goods, though. We don't want to yeah. go into the box that society's drawn. And so we find ways to express ourselves. And through that, I, I think I can speak for a lot of people, we truly discover who we are. Mm-hmm. We find the truth of ourselves. And um, I'm on such a tangent, I already forgot the question. <laughs> I'll answer it. Yes, please. Yes. Mm-hmm. Year one, year two, year three, are they more professional? The answer is yes. And it's how do they react to a situation? Mm. Yeah. So the answer is professional. Yes, they yeah. are more professional. They're going to be yeah. humble in this case and say they're still a bunch of sorority boys, but they're not. Sorority there are boys. Sorry, fraternity, fraternity boys. boys. No, I've seen I'm sorority <laughs> boys. Like if you wouldn't have stopped, I would have just gone with it. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm a sorority. Wait, it's Washington. You, I was like, whatever you want to identify whatever, with, whatever. Anyway, I have like sorority boys. I have like six hours of sleep in four days. Nice. You just like. Like I'm still here. <laughs> but yeah, the professionalism, you can see it in how they interact and how they relate to a certain situation mm-hmm. and uh, delegation and movement. And mm-hmm. they also can preemptively understand that if we do this, this will happen. How do right. we take care of that ahead of time? You know, it's, uh, by the way, Justin, I didn't tell you this, but I, for our t-shirts next year, uh, I found our perfect tagline, which is Rencon strategic mistakes Ooh, <laughs> i like it <laughs> strategic mistakes <laughs> but uh yeah personally mm-hmm. personally uh the tangent that i was going on is you know what as a creative and i do a lot of different things whether mm-hmm. it's writing directing producing acting, acting trying to run a con you know what i focus on what i'm not doing right and mm. i i think we all face that to one extent or another. I'm one of those guys that I, I look at something great and I see I see the flaws of it. Right. And that's okay. And that works. But when it comes to, for example, this convention, what I'm learning in 2018 is what can I discover about myself to be better mm-hmm. and stronger and grow. And I'm also really learning my weaknesses extremely learning my weaknesses and and after this is done i will be talk 
working with Justin and our other owners and we will be huddling up. But I can say this now officially on a podcast. What I love about Justin and what he has brought to our circle is accountability mm. and making it safe for us to accept our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of partners you look for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I talk to your protege, uh, a young artist, you know, downstairs. Amaya, yeah. Amaya, who, you know, is incredible. And she was saying that same thing. You know, yeah. we talked about how your friends and your family, you yeah. do a thing. And they're like, congratulations, yeah. you did the thing. Having that objective third party who's like, cool, this thing needs work. This thing can be better. This thing to elevate needs to do X, Y, and Z. So having that accountability is huge. And so, yeah, I can definitely... Uh, appreciate that <laughs> well it, you know it's like um what's the america's got talent or mm-hmm. one of those american idol and somebody gets on stage and you hear him screaming out this song and everybody's like who's all you can sing well my grandma said i sing good in the bathroom and <laughs> no your grandma lied yeah. right so <laughs> you suck so the, the the reality is that's what this is mm-hmm. going and having the honest conversation saying yeah. I, I like you. I appreciate you. However, this isn't your strong suit. If mm-hmm. I allow you to keep doing this, it's not going to get better. But the thing that goes with that is not being able to say it, it's being able to receive it yep. and wanting to receive it. So if their willingness to receive it, that's what made this work. And I, I, they're going to be humble. I'm going to be humble. That's the way we are. But at the end of the day, if they don't receive it and they don't want to receive it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I have been covering cons nationwide. Rencon having and creating original content, like what we saw at the screening yesterday, that is something that I had not seen another con do. So that is something else that you guys are kind of bringing forward and bringing to the table. Being like, here is an original short film, 12 minute short film that we created. The producers, the actors like all involved for Rencon is huge. So I just wanted to kind of give a shout out to that as well. I mean, I reviewed it on last week's episode. I can't uh, wait to hear it. Yeah, it was. Hopefully you said nice things. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, no, it was, it was great. And I mean, especially seeing, like seeing it at home. Cool. I watch yeah. a bunch of stuff at home. It's pretty epic on the screen. Seeing it, yeah, on the big screen yeah. at AMC was, was pretty special. It was fun. Yeah. You know, and that is one. And I think I can speak for my partners Emilio, you know, Justin's due to the circle, but Emilio and Brian and I, we love our, our families, the culture. Mm -hmm. And we all come from it from very different, like Brian is completely cosplay, you know, and, and Emilio, he's got all the relationships with the artists and the vendors, and he has created a culture within that. And I come from the digital culture. Mm -hmm. So what we're facing uh, in 2018 is that we are driving to do things differently. You embrace what's good, but let's add these flavors, digital mm-hmm. content. Brian's added a prop contest. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different things, but when what happens and what we're facing, and it'll be interesting to see how we deal with this challenge for 2019 is that you've got three chefs, but we don't really know what we're cooking yet. Mm-hmm. And this is the year that we've, when it's all said and done and we're rolling to next year, we, we have to be honest and sit there and go, okay, so <laughs> we've got all the best ingredients in the world here. So gentlemen, what are we going to cook? 
Mm-hmm. You said that, and all I pictured was me as the mouse and ratatouille yes. above you. Yes, <laughs> steering dude, you guys. No, that's this year, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's this year. I don't know about <laughs> next year. Strategically, <laughs> strategic mistakes. Ratatouille. ratatouille. Rencon twenty nineteen. <laughs> Love it. Cannot wait for those shirts. <laughs> yeah, right. Strategic mistakes. Excellent. And then. Any last words, uh, you know, kind of about this now that, you know, we're kind of towards the end of day yeah, two. We're an hour away from closure. Hour away. So kind of, yeah, the last thoughts of this year. And then, yeah, just one more thing for next year, other than, of course, Ratatouille and strategic mistakes. I think that so, so RenCon is different and it's not just because of the content of the show. Mm-hmm. It's because of the attendees. Yeah. Rencon pulls a different demographic of attendees that you don't see at other ones. And there's a dedication that I don't see at some other shows. So, and for those who don't know, Rencon in year one was at a Red Lion Hotel. Mm-hmm. Year two, it moved to a new venue um, spread out over multiple blocks in downtown Renton. Year three, it migrated to Tukwila, mm-hmm. still under the banner of Rencon, and the masses followed. Mm-hmm. And it's in a... Th- 19-story hotel with stuff on different floors that logistically you look at and say, why? And then you look at it and the the crowd show up and they say, this is great. We're going to make it work. Mm -hmm. To take that and take that energy and say, how does that transpose to next year? All I got to say is if people follow it, take this year. It's a great learning experience on all levels. I had fun. Um, There's days where sometimes I don't know what time it is, mm-hmm. but that's fine. But I'm looking forward to the after and the looking back and everything. 2019, 2020, 2021, so forth. Where does it go? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm actually excited. I'm tired, but I'm excited mm-hmm. at the same time. Excellent. Ben, no pressure. <laughs> you had all that time to think of something and all you were thinking about were Starburst. I've got this Starburst in my hand, <laughs> and I can only hold it with one hand. And if you're familiar with Starburst, they're hard to unwrap with they one really hand. They really are. Those are yeah. my closing statements. <laughs> uh, so of the triad, I'm the guy that usually has to deal with the civic entities. We've had this conversation before, mm-hmm. and I will continue to have this conversation as far as I've already started that dialogue with Kent and SeaTac, hmm. mm-hmm. Tequila, and Renton are already in the midst of that conversation. And the Seattle Southside Regional Tourism Authority, you know, my drive is really getting these civic entities to embrace the geek economy. Yes, and I think that we've bled in the trenches. But after three years, I it's like I feel like here soon. The South End group of communities are about to embrace something and create their own original identity. And and I can only hope that Rencon will be the source of a domino tip like that. Fantastic. So thank you so much, Ben Andrews and Justin Hunt. Thank you. Uh, this thank con you. has been incredible. Uh, I mean, yeah, the multiple different areas, everything is spread out well. So, yeah, thank you both for, for putting this on and for thank sitting you. down with me. Thank you. Thank for you. Here, and brother. it's just amazing. I'm looking at you now and you look just like your images online. It's I know, amazing. Right? It's fantastic. <laughs> Imagine that. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah. All right. Now that I am back in the About Review studios, all by my lonesome, 
uh, away from the amazing Renton City Comic Con, where I got to hang out with a bunch of really cool people, uh, some old friends like Nick and Jarrett and Renee and Abby, and some new friends like Keith Tucker and his awesome wife, Suzanne. I uh, got to meet John Davey, just, yeah, Ben Andrews, Justin Hunt. Everybody was was great. So I hope you enjoyed that kind of breakdown of Renton City Comic Con 2018. I definitely am looking forward to next year to see where it goes and kind of what it develops into because I definitely think they're on the right track. And like Ben said in the interview, the south side of Seattle, I mean, like the south end, you know, the Seattle area, it kind of is on on the edge and it is really interesting. It will be really interesting to see how it develops because it is kind of an underserved area as far as the greater geekdom of Seattle where we have like 50 cons during the year down on the south and they do not have as many. So yeah, it should be really interesting. So yeah, uh, Rent City Comic Con. It was great. Go support them. Uh, follow them on social media. I will put all of their links in the show notes below as well as all of the guests who are on the episode follow them buy their art support them they're doing fantastic things so the only movie review uh this week which actually is is kind of rare that there is only one uh it is the new movie it is a biopic called white <laughs> called white boy rick uh directed by yann demange a french director and this movie is a I mean, it is based on the true story of Richard Worshey Jr., who was born in 1969, who's also known as White Boy Rick, became an informant for the FBI at the age of 14. He was the youngest FBI informant ever. So this movie stars Matthew McConaughey as Richard Worshey Sr. Brand new to the industry is Richie Merritt playing Rick Worshey Jr., a.k.a. White Boy Rick. His sister Dawn is played by Belle Powley, uh, who is a British actress. Jennifer Jason Lee is in this. Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, just a bunch of really big names. Eddie Marson, Bruce Dern. So big, big names attached to this movie about kind of the life and times of White Boy Rick and how he developed into this informant for the FBI. And when things started kind of going south with that what happened and what developed into this kind of core story so first the performances i am legitimately impressed by richie merritt this is his first movie they did an open casting call for this movie a couple years ago when they were first kind of running through it he barely had done anything got the part and then as soon as he got the part, then got an acting coach for like a solid couple weeks before he met the majority of the cast and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, he actually did not even know who Matthew McConaughey was before he got the role. So the whole time when they were like, oh, yeah, the movie, you know, it's going to be starring Matthew McConaughey and blah, blah. Cool, cool. Did not know who it was. Then when he actually met him, and this is all in an interview that he did a while ago, when he met him, he was like, oh, well, I knew that guy. I just didn't know it was Matthew McConaughey. That is amazing. So the fact that in 2018, people can still kind of start in the industry without needing to know X, Y, and Z and without having to be in the you know right place and everything. It was just an open casting call. 
So definitely shout out to to Richie. He did a phenomenal job, especially in his first role. When you are on screen and acting against and with some pretty high profile actors, that can be tough. And at least during the movie, it did not really seem to phase him. Like he was pretty natural. He was organic. His character arc, it, it was it was difficult uh, only because of some other things that were going on in the filmmaking, which I will get into in a little bit. Matthew McConaughey was solid. I mean, he has come a long way, and especially in the past, I would say 15 years, you know, continually proves himself as a dramatic powerhouse. So he was really solid. Bell Powley, I did not know much about until I looked at, you know, her IMDb, and I saw that she had been in a few shows uh, that I recognized from the BBC. She was really good as well. This movie truly relies on the performances. I say that because one of my biggest problems with this movie is the editing and the directing and how it is structured. This movie flat out is a mess from an editory from an editorial standpoint. It really does not make sense. We get like a few kind of title cards or not title cards, uh, year cards in the beginning, you know, 1986, 87, 88, but that is it. And there's not really a good delineation of kind of time or not delineation, but nothing really felt like it fit, which is weird. There would be one scene, this like pivotal, dramatical, dramatical, (laughs) dramatic scene at night where the car kind of has some snow on it, you know, frost on the ground. The next shot we see is of the morning with none of that there, but it is like a month or two later. And that just, that kind of felt so disjointed. And a lot of the critics, you know, that when we, after the movie, whenever we go to these press screenings, we talk to the studio rep, we give our, you know, quote, our initial reactions, And then generally we just hang around and talk about the movie and dissect it a little bit. All of us had that same complaint where the editing was just, it was a mess. And the only reason that the movie still kind of had some structure and still had some kind of solidity to it was because of the performances. If those performances had not been as solid as they were, this movie would be just rough. But because everybody is so good, you know, in these roles, which I kind of had to, I had to look up this story after the movie because, and this is not really a spoiler. I mean, you see a lot of this in the trailer and it's also based on a true story. So if you want, you can just go on YouTube or Wikipedia and read everything. So when we, when we kind of get thrust into these characters lives and we're getting used to their kind of day-to-day interactions and we see that the daughter is kind of a mess and might be already on drugs. The dad is very anti-drugs, but he is an arms dealer essentially, but has a very strict anti-drugs rule. And I was like, all right, cool. Pick your poison. Sure. Um, And as, as Ricky kind of gets into the drug game, it just, it starts to get, messy because we start to see the the gang and the group that he is associating himself with and it was like all right cool 
So we start off the movie as this kind of father-son family dynamic with the daughter that he is trying to control and his parents, you know, Matthew McConaughey, Richard Wershey Sr., his parents live directly across the street. So it is a family film, family dynamic film. And then it goes into, okay, but do we now care about these members of the gang? Because we're getting a lot of backstory and we're getting some of this. And then it switches to Dawn, the daughter, and her struggles. And then it switches to the FBI and kind of what they are doing. And then it switches over here. And it was like, what is happening? Like, it felt like they were just trying to cram like a three-part PBS or BBC style documentary or biopic into one movie. And that was just, it was weird. It was not like they were taking something that, I mean, I hate to say it, the real story, when I was reading up on it, there really is not much to it. I mean, it is a pretty simple case of young boy gets kind of thrust into this as an FBI informant. Things happen badly. He kind of goes away. I mean, like it, it is a simple, simple story. And for whatever reason, the filmmakers and the editors and whoever was involved almost felt like they just overly complicated it for no reason. And that was just a really odd choice. And I'm not quite sure whose decision that was. If it was the director, Yan, if it was the editor, somebody kind of dropped the ball. Because this is not a cohesive story. And for a story that is pretty simple, it should be a lot more clean. And it was also maybe like 15 to 20 minutes too long. That one is not a huge knock on it. I mean, it still comes in under two hours at like 150, but this almost could have been about 90 minutes. Tighten up those storylines. The performances were great. Like everybody acting in this was solid. Those those performances made sense. And contextually, they were they were very organic. But man, did this movie suffer from editing. <laughs> so it was just kind of weird. Uh, some of my other notes. I also was very confused at the end of this movie. One thing I love for those of you who have listened to the podcast before and those of you who are new listeners to the podcast, I love biopics. I love documentaries. When you do a biopic like this about something that recently happened, I mean, this was only 1988 when this was happening, show us in the credits. If you are not going to intersperse it during the movie so you can keep some timeline consistency and people are not confused as to the actor versus the real person, sure. Then use the credits to show real pictures, real imagery, some video, something to really drive the point home. Like this was not just a movie that you were watching for the past two hours. This happened. And here are the real people. I always think that that is a missed opportunity when biopics choose not to do that because you're taking away from that core concept of the reality of this situation. And if you want us to learn something from a biopic, I believe it is essential that you put in, in the title cards, in the credits, something like that. So this movie has that for about 60 seconds. And that 60 seconds, all it served was to further confuse the issue. There are a couple title cards with just some basic information of kind of who went where and some very limited details. And then we get 
this kind of phone call from Ricky, but it, it, it just complicates things. And so after the movie, I was on Google for like 10 to 15 minutes being like, what did that phone call mean? And how does it fit within the movie? And why was it in there? It just, it, it really did not make any sense. So yeah, that, that was kind of it. But it is in theaters uh, right now. So you can go and check it out if you are a fan of biopics. The rating system for the About to Review podcast, if this is your first time listening, first of all, welcome to the show. If you tuned in because of the Renton City Comic Con coverage, or if we met this weekend and I handed you my business card, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. So for movies and TV shows and comic books, there is a rating system, a unique rating system for this podcast. There are only three choices, no stars, no letter grades. None of that. The three choices are good, bad, or ugly. Broken down really simply, a good film is something that you came out to the theater and you were hyped. You were like, that was great. I really enjoyed it. The performances were compelling. Let me go tell my friends about it. A bad film is something you came out of the theater and you were like, okay, like that was all right. I don't regret sitting in the theater for that couple hours, but it was nothing to really write home about. An ugly film is avoided at all costs. So White Boy Rick, my official rating for it, is bad. Um, I say that, and it does not get an ugly, even though it was edited, just, uh, it was just sloppy. The filmmaking was beautiful. The cinematography was great. The color dynamics were really cool. They did some really nice things with the color play. There were some nice blues and oranges, and everything was shot really well. But... The way that those shots were put together did not make sense. So it does not get an ugly because it was shot beautifully. The performances were incredible, but it gets a bad mainly because the editing was just a mess. Uh, This is something where, you know, I, I cannot recommend somebody to go out and see this in the theater. There's not really a reason to see this on the big screen. Wait for Netflix, like just wait a few months you know, this, this is probably going to get a little bit of a push, mainly because of the people who were involved in it. But yeah, no reason to rush out the theater. Official rating is bad. Uh, okay, so then real quick, uh, I was able to see a sneak preview of the new Cirque du Soleil show Volta out at Marymore Park. And if you follow me on social media at About to Review, uh, yeah, I posted some pictures from that last week. I have seen quite a few Cirque shows. Um, Most of them, actually all of them, except for this, have been in Vegas. I have seen a couple kind of Cirque performances mixed in with symphonies when I was in the performing arts uh, or nonprofit performing arts arena. But as far as like a true Cirque du Soleil show, this was my first one outside of Vegas. So it was out at Marymore Park in Redmond, I think. I still am not sure. It was east. We took 520 and went out a ways. Anyway, the thing with most Cirque shows, I have seen a lot of them. I cannot tell you the storyline of any of them, mainly because that is not necessarily the reason you go to Cirque. You go because you go to get your mind blown by the things that the human body can do. And that was definitely the case with Volta. 
I mean, I could sense some of the themes of there are a lot of characters kind of walking around with cell phone style props, taking selfies and themes of identity and not belonging. And where do you find your place in the world? At least that is what I got from it. I could be completely wrong. And who knows? But this show featured something else that was unique in all of the shows that I have seen, which this had BMX behind it or not BMX behind it, BMX in it. And I think Red Bull Studios, like they did some sort of feature on this or like a behind the scenes thing. There was a clip on YouTube. So having people on BMX was something totally unique and different because normally in the Cirque shows that I see, even as fantastical as all of them have been, a lot of it is the kind of traditional Cirque things, circus things that you get used to. Trapeze, uh, shape diving, you know, acro stuff with rope, trampoline, hand-to-hand stuff. So having BMX there was something unique and different and really cool. A couple of people fell, which is totally acceptable because what they have to do in a very limited space at Marymore, it is just a circular stage with, I would say, like a few hundred seats around it. It is a small space. What they're able to do in that space was phenomenal. So visually, it was compelling and interesting. I was always kind of intrigued by what was going on, even if I have no idea what the real story was. But that is okay. Uh, The other cool thing that I had the opportunity to do, thanks to my good buddy Jed, or aka Just Jed, as he has been on the show a couple times before, So he actually is part of kind of the circus. I always joke that he ran away and joined the circus, but he kind of did. So he hooked me up with one of the performers. And so after the show, we got to go backstage, meet some of the performers, see what the production looks like on the back end of things, which always fascinates me. Because again, I love behind the scenes things. Again, documentaries kind of fall into that as well. So seeing what the performers go through just to get ready to go up on stage, to see the massive wardrobe department was incredible. Because again, just, I mean, similar to what I was saying about White Boy Rick, having something in the credits where you have that context of truly kind of what happened makes it even more special. So definitely thank you, Jed, uh, you know, for that opportunity to go backstage and see those inner workings, see them just kind of stretching, working out, uh, just getting ready was really, really cool. So that kind of wraps it up for for my portion of of this episode, since you listened to the other Renton City Comic Con uh, things. So the upcoming uh, episode, so next week's episode, will have a review for the new movie, The House with a Clock in Its Walls, as well as Life Itself. I have another screening this week, but I think I am embargoed as to what it is. So when I am allowed to talk about it, I I will. I mean, that sounds really weird. Uh, but, I mean, and also silly. When I can talk about it, I will. Of course I will. It is kind of my job. So overall, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode with the big part of it with Renton City Comic Con. Thank you again to Renton City Comic Con, not just for, you know, hosting the Geek Awards, but for really being welcoming. Every time I saw somebody... You know, in a blue shirt or a red shirt or not a red shirt. We joked about that with Abby, a blue shirt or a yellow shirt. They were always helpful. They were like, 
Do you need something? Do you need to go somewhere? Do you need to talk to somebody? Awesome. So it truly was a community convention that was different than a lot of the other ones I have covered. The cosplay blew me away. Um, I would name a bunch of the cosplayers, but I do not want to do that because I am afraid I will miss some of them. But check my social media feed. I did a time-lapse video of the cosplay contest, both the beginning round and the advanced round. So that should be up on my social media. And yeah, so for this podcast, for the About to Review podcast, uh, you can follow it on social media at About to Review. AboutToReview.com has full links to the show notes and guests. Like, rate, and subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. You can also leave a review on Facebook, just facebook.com slash review. Leave it right there. That is awesome. And I think I recently changed it. So when you are listening to this episode, if you want, you can actually like choose on Facebook when you're updating your status, listening to, and then select about to review. And then it shows up in your little window, which is pretty neat. So yeah, thank you for listening. I have been your host, that guy named John, and we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.